Living in Chicago, everybody loves Sousa. The youth in the street told me, we love you and shot us. Chicago, shoot first, think last. I stole my dole on the street now. Shoot first, think last. How long will this bloodbath last? What's up? What's up? It's your boy, the sick one with the OSG in the building. We coming to you live from Cincinnati, Ohio. Yeah, yeah. It is September fifteenth. Yes. Uh, we are in the building, and I just think that song is so powerful because, like you said, man, when them dogs hungry, they gonna do whatever they gotta do to eat. Yeah, yeah. You know, and we got a people group people groups plural right that are starving and they ain't starving for food they ain't starving for money they starving for the word man and they hungry out here and because they hungry that's why we see the the killings going up i've been thinking cincinnati june was the deadliest month of gun violence Mm. in 19 years Mm. the deadliest month of all time I had more shootings in June than they ever had before. With the uncertainty, with the pandemic, with things being closed, man, we just started to see, we started to see that plate of food, man, start to get real empty. Right, yeah. It was scraping the plate, man. There wasn't nothing there. And people hungry, hungry for that word, man. Not the food, not, 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 not the things out of Kroger's, not the things out of Aldi's, not the right, things out right, of Myers. Right, right. They hungry for the word, because that's the real food. What did God say? He says, man cannot survive on bread, bread alone. But out of every word that proceeded out of the mouth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. man, we appreciate y'all tuning in again. Again, we want to hear from y'all. Um, we be checking these songs and just, just vibing to it, man, because it's so indicative of the culture that we live in today. And I'm sure whatever city you're in, you're probably seeing some of the same stuff. So we want to know. Let us know. We want to hear hear from you. So hit us up. At 148-2020 at gmail.com. That's one spelled out, O-N-E, the number four, E-I-G-H-T, 2020 at gmail.com. Get at us. Check us out on Facebook um, at 148. Uh, We got a page. We'd love to hear from you. Drop some comments. We got videos on there. We'll be doing some other stuff here soon uh, on the page and just just keeping it updated. And, and again, this is just two brothers um, sharing our perspective sharing our thoughts, what God is teaching us, uh, what we're seeing. Um, and we just put it out there. This is live. There's no cuts, no edits. This is just us laying it out there. And so it's, 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 it's interesting. It really is because I know I want you to weigh on this too. Like, you know, I was uh, just seeing more and more. I think I was seeing something on the news the other day where, you know, two, two teens shot and killed, you know, out on Price Hill or West side somewhere. And it's like every day in the news, man, I'm seeing craziness, right? Two months spike in shootings, you know, in April, you know, it's just, it's just crazy, man. Yeah, man. Like when I hear that, it's just like, I hear like hurt, pain. And I ain't talking about hurt and pain from people getting shot. But the fact that for somebody to like, they have no way to channel their anger and like, 
really it boiled down to is like people is hurting out here, man. They don't know how to deal with it. They they missing love, man. That's that's what's missing. It's authentic love and authentic relationships, man. Someone to connect with. Cause I'm pretty sure before them shootings probably happened. Somebody probably said, hey man, probably that probably ain't worth it, man. Yeah, it's, you it's, know what I'm saying? And like now two shootings, like did they did they die? I don't know. I didn't really get a chance to finish reading it, but here's here's some stats. It says by August fourth in Cincinnati, I think twenty nineteen maybe. Cincinnati saw two hundred and seventy nine shootings with a total of four hundred and seventy nine by the end of the year. So far in twenty twenty, Cincinnati has already seen two hundred and eighty nine shootings across the city. And it says that we are on pace for a record breaking year. Like that's not a record that's, I want to break. Nah, you nah, know, like man, that ain't that ain't nothing to brag about. And, and and the bad thing about it is, the ones that are dying, man, it's our youth, man, it's our children. Yes. Our children are dying in these streets. Generation right behind us. The, yes, they and they and they they starving, man, because you know our generation, you know, unfortunately, you know, I'm 41. Yeah, I'm 40. You know, and so our generation. We we, man, we were so focused on doing for us, man, that we we didn't we didn't take the time to really give back. And I know I was guilty of that myself, man, for a long time until I met Christ. For a long time, man, it was all about me. It was like yeah. I got to do what I got to do. Yeah. I'm gonna get every dollar. I'm out here working hard, right? Yeah. What was it all? Where we always hear, "What you doing, bro? What's up, bro?" Grinding. And out here grinding, man, trying to get that dollar, right? It was yeah. all about us, and so we weren't we weren't feeding into the generation under us. Got as well as that old saying, I got mine, you better get yours. Got mine, you better get yours, yeah. man, right? And so, and we're seeing that where, you know, these kids are growing up without fathers in the home. They're growing up in single parent homes. And again, we know a lot of people doing the best they can. Yeah. But God designed us to be together for a reason to raise children, right? Yeah. And it's, it's for the simple fact of, in order to make a healthy whole human, you need both parties. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you need both parties. And yeah. so like God put us together that way for a reason. And, and then we're seeing, we're seeing the product of that, man. These kids, they, they dying for it. Like, so me, me and OG, like we work in the ministry too. And so like yeah. every day we work with young men in our streets and we see how hungry they are for relationship. We had a guy the other day tell us, he said, man, I, I gave y'all three months. I just knew yeah. y'all was going to be out in three months. Yeah. And so I wouldn't even I wouldn't even hear y'all. So for three months, dude wasn't even invested, right? But it, it was it was us sticking around, showing up every day, just being yeah. present. But that's the mentality that our young people growing up, and he's what, 19, 18? No, he's like 17, 17 right? He's 17, 17 right? Yeah. And so if the 17-year-old is doing that, he thinking that way. Hmm. Man. I man, it's just I like the fact that. We stick around. We once we connect, we stick around no matter what. If you go to jail, we gonna visit you. You feel me? Like just being there, man. Like it's like I could just I I just think about when I in my childhood, like by like being present. Like you can be there, but not be there. Like, yeah. like my mom and pops, they was there, but they wasn't there. And right. Like that, right. That 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 hurts. Yeah. Yeah. That hurts, man. And like, and I know. The pain that I felt then is, I know it's running rampant, man. And like a single parent household dealing with multiple kids and no male figure in the picture. Yeah. Take a toll, man. Then, especially, God forbid, if you're the oldest child. Yeah. You got now you, you got to cook. You got to take care of your siblings. Yeah. And stuff. You got to, you got to become grown, man. It's like one guy told me, he was like, he's like, man, I was just so angry because. I just wanted somebody to love me. Yeah, you gotta be grown-ish. Yeah, grown-ish. Yeah, grown-ish. <laughs> Anthony Anderson hashtag the show. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. But look, look, it is, and don't get us wrong. Like, what I come to realize is, like, our parents, they what we know is hurt people hurt people. So yeah. our parents grew up in a time, you know, my dad was born in forty three. My mom was like forty five, forty six, right. Um, and so, you know, 1960s, the civil rights movement. So you think about them growing up with their parents in the midst 
of the chaos of slavery and the Jim Crow law, the black codes, right? Redlining, you know, um, you know, all these different things that were happening, gaslighting, right? And so if their parents grew up that way in the in the middle of the chaos, they taught my parents based upon the hate they had. Mm. Unconsciously, they didn't realize they were doing it, but that's what they that's what shaped them, that's what molded them. Right, right. They were molded by the hate. And so they gave it to my dad and again and my mom, but then my dad not having a dad, because we know in those times the goal was to separate the man from the family. So who knows in the in the in the thirties, twenties, nineteen hundreds when when my dad's mother was alive, that the slave owner, whoever they were, you know, they separated the man or killed the man, right? So my dad has never known his father back from I think four or five generations, never knew who his dad was. They was never present because why would you be present? Right. The system prior to that showed you that they're not supposed to be together, right? You were conditioned to be that way. And so then when I grew up, my mom and dad went through an era where the law started to begin to change, but there was really nothing there to really help it, right? So like mm -hmm. segregation of, I mean, desegregation of the schools. But they weren't really desegregated because as soon as the black people showed up, the white people said, I'm not, I'm gone. Yeah, they bounced. They bounced, right? White flight. They was like, we're not sending our kids to school. So then you think about the psychological warfare that's going on inside of my mom and my dad as they're dealing with this. They, they're raising y'all off of their... Off of their trauma. Their, their trauma, yeah. yeah. So then they're here going. we come along, like you said, the oldest is my oldest sister. So my oldest sister, you know, you think about, she's what, almost 10 years ahead of me? Just about, yeah. So you think about, you know what I mean, 10 years ahead of me, and I was born in 78. She's born in 60. So she's she seen some of that. Right? Like, so she lived through the process of that change yeah. on top of the psychological warfare that my parents went through. So they got her with it. Then my middle sister, and then I came along, even as a boy, as a black man in that time, where black men were being lynched, castrated, they were being hung, all these different things. What do you do? You know what I mean? Yeah. And then boom, here's my generation. Like I said, we're even slightly trying to recover from that. And so by this time, we have more freedoms in the world, right? Because we could go out, we could work, we had access to money, whether it was through sports, whether it was through music, whether it was through, you know, artistic expression, just flat out jobs, going to college, you know, going to school. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was like first male really in my family, in the extended family, right? Obviously my family, because there's two older sisters, I'm the only boy. But in my extended family to go to college, you graduated from college. So you was a baby. Yeah, I was a baby. Mm -hmm. And even to go to college in my extended family and graduate. So now I had an opportunity at a doorway that others didn't have. So what am I focused on? Focused on getting mine. Mm -hmm. You know? So yeah, it's just it's just crazy, man. It's it's absolutely crazy. But this time is crazy. And and you know, I think the question always comes up to the <laughs> The craziest thing the enemy could have done, which is Satan, was lock us in the house and thinking that we we would struggle. Because if he knew that the one thing that we had, if we took advantage of it, was you locked us in the house with food. You locked us in the house with the word. And so if you, and so if you, if you took advantage of it, the word fed you. The yes. word cultivated yes. you. The word That's was so. able to sustain you. That's the word was able to fulfill you. Yes. The word was able to stabilize you. Mm. if you took advantage of it. But again, we know that there are so many distractions. Netflix, man, all these new series that's come out on Netflix. TikTok. TikTok, all the yeah. internet, all the live stuff they was doing, man. Internet, crazy, you know, all the different shows. And so it was it was the plan for the enemy to use it. But what we know is that whatever's meant for our bad, God's going to use for our good. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Whatever's meant for evil, God's going to use for good. And so, but it and it's part of what we're going to talk about today is we, we in the, uh, in Romans, we're going to see it's a choice. And I think we forget that. Like we have to make a choice simple as choosing to say, I'm not going to let this defeat me. I'm not going to let this happen. I'm going to choose to go to the word. I'm going to choose to use the word. I'm not going to use all these false religions and these false doctrines and these false opportunities to understand who I am because we are lost in our identity. I found it in here in the word and people say, well, Mike, how do you know, or, you know, that's real. And how do you know this, this and that? And I tell them, I said, you know how I was living before I met Christ. I got two master's degrees. I played 
sports at all levels, have scholarships. I have money out the wazoo. I, you name it, I've done it. I have cars. I was able to get whatever I want when I wanted. None of that changed me. None of that brought success. None of that brought peace. None of that brought happiness. None of that fulfilled me. But what it did was it broke me down. Two failed marriages, kids at a wedlock. I had three kids that have died and been killed. Um, lost a cousin, you know, saw one hung. Uh, just me just perpetrating and, and being somebody that wasn't in the streets, right? And, and, and hurting other people. It didn't bring no peace. But then when I gave my life to Christ, just bro, just was more confusion. I think you said the last episode. What you, you mentioned confusion, the word confusion, like all that stuff, just confusion and chaos. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that was nothing but yeah, that was nothing but confusion and chaos. And then but again, when I gave my life to Christ, that's when things changed. Yeah. I can't explain it. I didn't do anything different. But the one thing I did do different was I made a choice in my desperation to give my life to Christ. And it wasn't just a choice to give my life to Christ, which we're going to talk about later. It was also the choice to walk in Christ. Mm, that's a big difference. As I'm doing now. Yeah. That's the difference. See, a lot of people say, I want to give my life to Christ, and they expect automatically, genie in a bottle, Will Smith, Aladdin. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. A whole new world. Look at that, boy. We're trying to harmonize out here, right? We expect it to happen just like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, it don't yeah, work like that. Yeah, yeah. You gotta constantly walk through the yeah, desert, through the yeah, sands of the Sahara. You gotta you gotta yeah. take the abuse because you know that on the other side of that comes the oasis. Yeah. Comes the fruit. Mm. You know what I mean? So yeah, man. But we don't get into that because Romans what we in today, Romans talks a lot about that and it's really, really good. So um, yeah, man. So we wanna we wanna we wanna change course real quick and we wanna go into the encouraging corner yeah. with the OSG. What you got for it? Yeah, bro? so um, the encouraging corner come from um, it was a scripture that came to mind. It take was, that, take that, take it was, that. <laughs> it was Luke six thirty eight. Um, <laughs> give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Read that again. Luke what? Luke. 6.38 Luke 6.38 And it will be put into your bosom for the same measure that you use it will be measured back to you and when I when I read that it reminded me of um like grace and mercy and I also heard this when they do tithing offerings they, they say that scripture as well but it reminded me of grace and mercy and, and how we should show grace and mercy to others and it reminds me when I was Standing, standing in front of the judge after I had um, a mental episode, and he didn't he didn't know that I was um that I was he was can't come right look <laughs> right so he didn't know that I was um had a mental illness, and when he found out he could have he had a choice he could have either gave me a sentence, fine me, whatever he could have done he could have done, but he showed me mercy and he showed me grace. And I was able to walk out of there with charges dropped and was able to, you know, even still keep keep my job. So that was a blessing. And like my encouragement is show grace and show mercy to people around you because you never know their their situation or what they're going through. Um, one example was um, I, I took a course. It was um, I remember it was like it's called sociological mindful. And it's basically was like. An incident where an example was a lady was a waiter, a waitress, yeah. and she, before she went to this table, she got her daycare bill is running up, her electric's about to be cut off, and she needs tips. So this is the example they was given. Yeah. So she comes to the table, and she's she didn't have good they didn't have good service, and at that point the person that was at the table made a decision like, well, she she shouldn't serve my food like this. I'm going to report her to her manager. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. In that moment, if that person was sociological mindful to think like, man, what is she going through today that made her get to this point to where she is right now and had showed a little more grace and a little more mercy? Yeah, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. 
So what was it called again? Sociological mindfulness. That's an awkward thing. Yeah. Get a motorcycle in the background. Yeah. We out here in the garage. Real deal. No Real deal. No takes. <laughs> no redos. No none at all. Driving by, doing whatever. Yeah. Sociological mindfulness. I heard that in back in in college, and it always stuck with me. So sociological mindfulness. Yeah. It just wasn't resonating with me. Just. Which is about thinking of the cause and effects of the things we do and say. Think about how it will affect others and how it will eventually affect society as a whole. Right. Right. And so even that, even that, uh, you know, example, you know, again, we don't know what she's going through. She could have had a bad day. Right. Takes me back to the movie Pursuit of Happiness. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When Will Smith was that in. one suit. <laughs> yeah. He, had a, yeah. <laughs> he wore that thing. Boy. <laughs> but that reminds me when in the morning. When he got up, you know, he had talked to the guy. He was all excited. And he's, tell, he's brushing his teeth. He's telling his wife, like, yeah, I got an interview today. And she's like, oh, yeah, for, for, for what? And he's like, um, for this investment, this broker firm. And she's like, why not an astronaut? You know, just being real facetious, like, oh, right then and there. It'd be being what, Mike? Facetious. You're just going to fly right over that yeah, word? facetious. I'd have, right then, we'd have, we'd have wrestled. Let me get a dictionary out for that. <laughs> we'd have been tussling <laughs> an arm wrestler something, right? But... Think about starting your day that way. Now, Will obviously made a choice because, you know, he was he was focused on his goal. But imagine that being that waitress, you know, starting off with her husband or whoever, giving her that negative vibe in the beginning. Yeah. She comes to work. She's just having a bad day because she started her day with negativity. Yes. So because of that, she's not focused and mindful. So she's giving you bad service. And then you report her and don't give her a tip. And that could be... That could be the, the ice that spills the water out of the cup, and she goes off and goes on a killing spree, right? We don't know, Never which typically know. you see happens, yeah. right? So, but if I'm there, and what I often my general rule of thumb is, I say, yes, they should be, their job is to give me service. Mm-hmm. I'm always going to tip because at the end of the day, I am coming to a place and asking for them to serve me. Mm-hmm. When you could be at home serving yourself. But you're not at a restaurant. Yes, it's their job. But at the same time, you're doing me a service. People, Other people are cooking your food. Other people are bringing your food to you. Other people are serving you hand and foot. Can I get some more ice? Can I get another straw? Can I get some ketchup? Can I get some salt? Can I get another napkin? This fork is dirty. Oh, my son dropped his food on the floor. Can we get another plate? Do we got to pay for it? Yeah, that's a lot. So that's just a little bit. It's a microcosm of what actually happens in a restaurant. And that's one one person you wait on. One person all day, right? And so they're doing me a service. And so, like you said, psychologically mindfulness or benefit of the doubt saying, I'm going to treat you how I want to be treated. You know, and even if I was in a bad day, I still want somebody to do something nice for me because you never know what that one kind act could change that person's life. Man. You know, and we saw that. Saw that when we was with the bros. Saw that when we were with Case the bros. Case in point. Case in point, man. We did we we saw somebody, they wanted the table. We got up from the table. We said, hey, do you guys want to have this table? We ended up in a long conversation, found out they were missionaries from Morocco, found out, you know, that they love the Lord and all these different yeah. things. Again, white family, it was a whole bunch of us black people and a couple white boys. We love them to death. Yeah. So they love us to death. But in that moment, color didn't matter. No, not at all. And we saw that when we were leaving as the man that was with that party waved to us and he ran over to me and he said, hey, whatever church you go to tomorrow, this is a Saturday. So whatever church you go to tomorrow, I want you to tie this to the church. It doesn't matter the amount. It was the fact that he was comfortable enough to trust a black man with money that he was giving out of his own wallet. Mm. Especially in these times that we're talking mm. about where racial... Uh, injustice, racial mistrust. Here comes this old white man. I don't know where he's from, don't know his background, just know the conversation we had. Mm. Felt comfortable enough out of one conversation to run up to me, embrace each other, and give me money out of his pocket, and trusted me enough to take that to the church I went to and tithe it. Mm. What? Mm. What? Are you serious? That's trust? And you telling me we can't come together as a people? Come on, man. Tell me about it. That's trust. Because why? Because we connected on the common ground. We connected in Christ. Yes. And he trusted me enough. I don't even trust my daughter with money that I give her. 
So I know where it's going to go. Right. Here goes some $20. Like, okay, make sure that gets to the school. <laughs> to the school. Right? I'm checking the school. Hey, this, did they drop the money off? Right. Yes, Mr. Sickles, the money got here. Okay, great, right? But this complete stranger. Yeah. Don't know don't him from know Adam. From Adam, boy. I Opposite him, I race. Seen him too. I seen him walk up. Yeah. I was like, man, what are you? I'm like, wow. Opposite race. In a time where racial tension is at its highest. And he felt comfortable enough to give me money out of his pocket, trusting that I would do what is right yeah. and what is good. They waited patiently too. I, I've seen him sitting there at the table. And I was like, wonder why they keep looking over Just here. Just looking, waiting. And I was like, and you got up and went to the bathroom. Yep, the bathroom you came, came back out, and, and I saw it. Like, yeah. and I'm like, hey, y'all, let's roll. Yeah, yeah. Y'all need a seat. We weren't doing nothing but sitting there talking anyway. Chopping it up, bro. Eating, eating to chips. <laughs> Tortilla chips and salsa. No, you you wasn't eating salsa, bro. <laughs> that salsa didn't have a chance. It didn't, bro. I turned whatever, over there. Whatever bro. that green salsa was, bro, hey, was banger. You didn't give that salsa no grace and mercy. <laughs> nah, I should have. Right. Blah, 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 blah. I was like, I had to take it. I had to take the cup cup from you <laughs> just to make sure you was breathing. <laughs> oh, bro, it was it was good oh, though. Man, was so good. look, he said, Luke six thirty eight, give and it will be given to you. And that's powerful. That's what happened. Mm-hmm. Give and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over with no space left for more. For with the standard of measurement you use, when you do good to others, it will be measured to you in return. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why when I look at my life now, why things are better is because Christ taught me this principle. From the beginning, he taught me that even though you've done wrong, there is no sin that's too great for the son of man to absolve and forgive. And he says, what after he does that? He says, you have been forgiven. Now go and sin no more. And so he taught me this principle that when you do good with others, I'm going to pour back to you the same amount and then some more. And I've been doing that, living my life since that time. And I've seen the fruit of that. And that's why the fruit comes, because I've been living the way I want to be lived, the way God has asked me to love, the way he loved us to the point to where he went to the cross and died for us. Mm-hmm. Now that's giving, that's a measuring cup. I don't know if I can fulfill, mm-hmm. but that's what he did for us. For you and I, for anybody on listening, he went to the cross for you and your sins. So therefore you can have right standing with God because when you face your maker, the one thing I want God to see, I don't want God to see me or anything that I've done because anything I do will never measure up to the glory of God. But what I want God to see in my judgment day is I want him to see Christ. When he looks at me, he should see his son. And when he sees his son, he recognizes perfection because Christ was perfect. He was the lamb, pure snow, white. He was pure. That's purity. It's a beautiful thing. And it's, and it's even funny. I was thinking about this the other day as I go on a rant and we're going to switch here in a minute. But Grace and mercy, always grace and mercy. Do good, and it'll be it'll be done to you. So I even thought about it, like on these on these ballots and things. I'm gonna start checking other, cause I'm not black, I'm brown. Start calling myself brown skin. I'm a brown skin American. Oh, uh, Bobby. Hey, 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 hey Bobby. <laughs> Bobby. But I just and I just say that just I was thinking like. I think the negative stigma has been, and this is just me, my thoughts. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Email us, 148-2020 at gmail.com. Number one spelled out, letter, no, I said letter, <laughs> number four, mm-hmm. eight spelled out, 2020 at gmail.com. But I just thought about it because black has such a negative connotation to it. Black Americans automatically takes you back to like, it's this class, it's wretched, defiled, vile people, these savages, black, right? African-Americans sounds good, but I'm not, I can't, I have to trace my lineage back a hundred times over to find my link to Africa. And, and I live here in America. So it's like, what's our identity in America? But I'm thinking like, I'm a Brown American. Like that's why I'm a Brown American. If I was black, you know it. Cause I'd blend in. Yeah. You blend I'd in that shirt right now. I'd vanish. You'd be purple. Blurple. Be cra- blurple. That would be crazy. <laughs> if I was ever that black, well, well, they say I'll slap the black off you. Somebody did a long time ago because we brown now. Hey, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. But so, yes, yes. 
Any last words you got to say about the encouraging corner man and why that's important to you? Um, no, nah, that was that was about it. That about summed it up. Yeah, that's good stuff, bro. That's good stuff, man. I like I like even in thirty nine. What it says, it says he also told them a parable. He said, can a blind man guide another blind man? Will they not both fall into the hole, into a hole in the ground? It's beautiful, man. A student is not superior to his teacher, but everyone, after he has been completely trained, will be like his teacher. And then, of course, this is the best one ever. Speaks to that situation you're talking about, right? Mm -hmm. Before you judge somebody. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye? But do not notice or consider the log that is in your own eye. See, and then he didn't say, why do you look at this? He said, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and don't notice the speck in your eye? He said a log, meaning like, bro, you, you got the nerve to talk hey, about them. Look hey, at what's going on in your life. What's going on in your life, man. And even this, this Luke, Luke is really, I mean, that's the rest of this is really good because he talks about the tree and how you identify um because again, there's so many different sets of Christianity that you see, but he gives us very clear, distinctive instructions on how to identify who is a Christ follower, which Christianity is saying that I'm a Christ follower, mm -hmm. right? Take the religion out of it. Christianity means I follow Christ because I'm a pagan. I'm a Gentile, so therefore I've given, I've been granted salvation through Christ. So I'm a Christ follower. And he tells us, he says, you'll know what you'll know a tree by the fruit it produces. A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can never produce bad fruit. So if you have a tree that's an apple tree and it's producing pears, and guess what? One, that's not true. It's one, it's probably not an apple tree, and two, it's not good fruit because it's not producing what it's, it's claiming to say it right, produces. Right. And so he tells you, so as you live in the world, you start looking at people, you start to understand. Fruit, they fruit, we'll find them out. We'll find them out, man. Yeah, absolutely. So cool, cool, cool. Well, let's, you know, we want to value time um, and we want to jump into. All right, we're on the 45th brick of Romans. The reason why we call them bricks is because Christ is the chief cornerstone. We're on the 45th brick. The 45th brick is Romans. Romans is the 45th book because there are 66 books in the Bible. And that's where we're leading off at. Hey, I just thought of something. What? Isn't it amazing that Romans is the 45th brick? That's yeah. the comeback, right? Michael Jordan came back to the league number 4-5. Oh. Romans is the comeback because Romans is when you're creating, what, a new creature. You're becoming new, Right. Romans is the chapter that talks, uh, the book that talks about you becoming new and Paul telling you like you're freed from the law. Like Romans talks about how you're freed from the law and this is your comeback. This is your second chance. This is your rebirth, man. God is good. And we saw the example in Jordan, how Jordan came off and he came back with four or five, but he wasn't, he didn't like what he had. So he had to go back to his original number, right? Because God created him in the original, but we got to have the comeback. We got to have that moment in time where we're, set back in order to get set up mm. for the comeback for the greatness of God. You want to know what song's going through my head right now? What's that? Come through like a wrecking ball. Is that I'll, Kenny Perry? Yeah, I don't know why that song just jumped in my head. Oh my goodness. Coming through like a wrecking ball. What, like, so now we know what OSG listens to <laughs> in his car. <laughs> he be banging out <laughs> Katy Perry. Now, I would say I get it if you had young children, because she's been a lot of the little, you know, saw uh, movies, you know what I mean? Right, right. Uh, yeah, so we're going to go ahead and move on. Right, let's, we're going to move on now that we I, okay then. Yeah. All righty then. Oh, man, I had to take you in my mind for a minute. Oh, yeah, that was, that was a deep, dark place right there, brother. All right, so chapter seven, Romans. I like Romans. I love it, I love it, I love it. I just want to start reading in the beginning because I think it's powerful. And it kind of sets the tape. So it talks about how the believers are united to Christ. It says, um, it says, or do you not know, brethren, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law has jurisdiction over a person as long as he lives. For the married woman is bound by law to her husband while he is living. 
but if her husband dies, she is released from the law concerning the husband. So then, this is verse three. So then, if while her husband is living, she is joined to another man, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law so that she is not an adulteress through though she is joined to another man. Therefore, my brethren, you also were made to die to the law through the body of Christ so that you might be joined to another to him who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit for God. Right. And I, I love I love that because I love how Paul uses marriage to illustrate our relationship to the law. You know, and how he talks about, um, you know, how when a spouse dies or whatever, that, yeah, yeah. you know, she's, took, free, she's no took, longer considered married. She's a widow. Yeah. You know what I mean? He took the physical and flipped it and made it talk to the spiritual. Yeah, the spiritual. Yeah. yeah. And shows us how, why that's important that we connect um, in that, right? And so it says, like, when a person dies to the old life and belongs to Christ, a new life begins, right? So we just talked about, right? Yeah, like four yeah, or five yeah. is the new life. The new life. And so an unbeliever's mindset is centered on his or her own personal gratification. An unbeliever's mindset is centered on his or her, her own personal gratification. Exactly what I was talking about earlier. Before I knew Christ, my focus was about me, mm -hmm. right? And even when it appeared to do good or it looked good from the outside, in, in, in a small percentage, it was all about the benefit of me. How could it benefit me? If I do this, oh, I can get this. I might look better in society this way if I do that. And so we look at Lincoln and the slaves, right? Was it really about freeing the slaves? No. It was about a political move, right? Mm -hmm. Was uh, Ulysses S. Grant and Sherman, was that whole battle really about the Union bringing in slaves to help fight for them for equality? No, it was about more of their civil liberties and fighting for freedom so they could claim their independence. And so, and so, and it, but it benefited the political move of all of them as they were jockeying for position in politics, right? So mm -hmm. Christ is saying the same thing as unbelievers. We are moving and shaking in society because we really want to do what's good for us. And we're doing things that appear to be good, right? Which can also be unbelievers that are also in the church. And so for some of us who have said, I've had people in church hurt me before, mm -hmm. you got to realize that some people in the church are still unbelievers and they're pretending church to, to advance in whatever they want to do. Oh, you know, this is going to make me look good in my social network. This is going to make me look good on stage. This is going to make me look good here. I can get paid because it's a lucrative business. I can get paid just like we saw with the Pharisees. The Pharisees were promoting sin because why? Because in order, if you, if you, the more you sin, the more you had to bring a living sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And so they bring the animals. And so they were getting the good cuts of meat and fat from the animals. Mm -hmm. And they were getting rich. They were giving it to their family. So they were like, y'all need to keep sinning so we can get rich. It's crazy. That's wild, man. Yeah, man. What, what you got, bro? Yeah, like, um, I like, I just previous, previously just said it's like, and um, how is there's a parallel between the physical and then the spiritual. And then like, like it says, and therefore my brethren you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ that you may be married to one another to him who was raised from the dead that was that that we should bear fruit to God that word we should bear fruit to God and then if you go down to five it um says like five says for when we were in the flesh the sinful passions which were aroused, by the law were at work in our members and bear fruit to death. So when we in the flesh, we bear fruit to death. But when we in when we in the spirit, we bear fruit to God. Yeah. And yeah. then like um in that five that sticks out was like, for when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions yeah. which were aroused, well, meaning like if if something is aroused, meaning it is laying dormant. Yeah. And then it got aroused, and it's just like. It just, it's like on the war path. It's just trying to take over. Yeah, and I, and I think it, it goes, it coincides with verse nine because he says, I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin became alive and I died, right? And so you don't know what is bad until there's actually a law, right? So if there's no law that says that um, stealing is bad, 
nobody gets in trouble. But as soon as I make a law and decree it and make it sound and, and it passes Congress and everybody agrees on it, mm-hmm. if I go steal, guess what? Now I'm held accountable to the law that's been set in stone to tell me that whatever I did wrong, this is why I get in trouble. But if there's no law, you don't get in trouble. Right. And so the Ten Commandments came to show us in the law where we were wrong, like he said. But when the commandment came, sin became alive. And that's when sin really became alive. Mm-hmm. Right? Sin was always present. But this was the dilemma that God was having, which is the reason why Jesus came. Because before then, nobody knew what was wrong and right. There was sin. Individuals would repent. It was it was up to you to go repent, right? What Melchizedek, the, the great priest, mm-hmm. right? It, it, he was he was one of those ones that was like, hey, you've been living well. You've been living good. And so it was up to me to know that, man, what I did there wasn't right. You had that feeling, you know, you get that feeling in your gut. Like, man, I didn't feel right. Yeah. When you get that feeling, you should go to the altar and pray and stuff. But there was nobody to, to, there was no overseer to be like, hey, what you did there was wrong, right? If I went to my brother's house before the law, the commandments came, I went to my brother's house and I took something from there, right? You weren't in trouble, right? We saw that with Isaac and Jacob. Mm-hmm. With, yeah, it was Isaac and Jacob. Yeah. No, Esau. Esau, yeah. Esau, yeah. right? Esau. And so we saw that with them where, he came in and took his brother's inheritance, right? Yeah, yeah. And so if I go, if I go, that was dirty, bro. I'm sorry. Hey, I mean, that was he caught him slipping all because he was hungry. I mean, dude, <laughs> he, he found he's an opportunist. You know right. what I mean? True opportunist. True opportunist, right? But I'm, what I'm saying is, so if there's no law, and I go to your house, and there's no law, and I take your car, you mad? But what you gonna do? Who you gonna tell? Because they're gonna be like, hey, man. You, the police probably don't exist at this time because there's no like, law. Kind of like that movie, The Purge. Yeah, it's crazy. No like, law. Yeah, that's that's that, whoo. Yeah. Right. But I'm gonna say, but who's gonna tell? And then what are they gonna say? Oh well, I don't know. If you try to get it back, but they have no power to make them give it back to you. Right. So when the law came, sin became alive, and that's when we died. Right. Um, yeah. And so I, I love Romans seven. So even part in fifteen. Where, so this is the part where it talks about the conflict of two oh, natures, yeah. and yeah. I love this part of it because yeah, this is this is where this is where a lot of us everybody reside, yes. and you know it is it's funny because remember that only Jesus can set us free. We got to remember that only Jesus can set us free. And in fifteen, it talks about for what I am doing, I do not understand. Man, how many times do we do that? Right, a day. Hmm. For I am not practicing what I would like to do. We all know we want to do good, but our bodies, our flesh is in conflict with the spirit. But what I, so it says, I am not practicing what I would like to do, but what I am doing, the but I am doing the very thing I hate. So we know what we don't want to do. So it says, for I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing I hate. But if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good, right? And so because sin entered one man in Adam, naturally Jesus had to come and bring righteousness in one man in in the second Adam, right? Which is Jesus, right? And so, and this is not saying that, okay, because you agree with the law to go out and just do bad and things you don't want to do, right? But that's the constant conflict that exists in us every day is that, is that I don't, I'm doing the things I don't want to do and I'm not doing the things I want to do. But when I do the things I don't want to do, I'm agreeing with the law, confessing that the law is good because the law is good because it makes it alive, which brings us to death and in death we have life, mm. right? And so it's here, it's interesting because Paul shares, he, he shares three lessons. These are important. Three lessons that he learned in trying to deal with his old sinful desires. So even the apostle Paul, was still grappling with his old sinful desires. Mm-hmm. And if you know Paul's stories, we've talked about before, Paul was a G. Man, yeah, he was, was a gangster, man. He yeah, was the OG of the city, running after Christians, killing, persecuting. We know he was there with Stephen holding their coats. Go ahead and take care of that, yeah, right? While they stoned him. While they stoned him, right? So he says, the three lessons he learned while dealing with his old sinful desires. He says, one, knowledge is not the answer. Paul felt fine as long as he did not understand what the law demanded. But once he learned the truth, he knew he was doomed. Second, self-determination, struggling in one's own strength, doesn't succeed. Paul found himself sinning in ways that weren't even attractive to him. And then three, 
Becoming a Christian does not stamp out all sin and temptation from a person's life. Now, one of the key points here is this. It takes only a moment, uh, a brief moment of faith to become a Christian and confess and have a new life. But it takes a lifetime to walk like Christ. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference. For that brief moment when you know things are bad and you confess yourself and you give yourself to Christ, you've become a Christian, you are automatically adopted into his family. But it doesn't stop there because Christ wants to see you look like him. The whole purpose of your life is to look more like Christ. Because it's like, um, like you was talking about Romans, is the comeback. Yeah, is the comeback. It's to renew you. Yeah, renew transform you. Right, right. And we saw even with Jordan, he came back. The first season, he was kind of sluggish, right? Because he had to get his, he wasn't in basketball shape. He had to get himself back. He didn't win a championship that first year. He was sluggish. He wasn't feeling right. And then what happened was he got himself back. Got back to his old number with a new ruler, with a new desire, a new passion for the game. Mm. And he won three more championships. But that didn't happen overnight. It was a lifetime of him living out the pursuit of what he wanted to do. And so Christ, we can use that same example, that same mindset Again, being born again takes a moment of faith, but becoming like Christ is a lifelong process. And so Paul compares Christian growth to a strenuous race or fight. Since thus, as Paul has been emphasizing since the beginning of this letter, no one in the world is innocent. No one deserves to be saved. Not the pagan who doesn't know God's laws, not the Christian or the Jew who knows them and tries to keep them. All of us must depend totally on the work of Christ for our salvation. We cannot earn it by our good behavior. Now, gut shot. gut shot. Again, it tells you right here. It says no one deserves to be saved. It doesn't say the Jews deserve to be saved. It doesn't say the pagans no or the Gentiles. It says no one deserves it. Not the pagan who doesn't know God's law. Not the Christian or the Jew who knows them and tries to keep them. All of us. All of us must depend totally on the work of Christ for our salvation. We cannot earn it by our good behavior. And that's good because we know Paul was what? Paul was in line to be who? The next Pharisee. He was in line to be one of the religious elite. He was Jew. He was Greek. Mm -hmm. Paul had the best of both worlds in a sense. He was educated. Paul was, a, he was I mean, this dude was smart. He was a strategist. He knew, every, I mean, he was in line to be the next great one. They were training him to be the next to take over, like the Sanhedrin, right? Mm -hmm. He was in line to do that. He was, he was, the, he was, he was it. And then God got a hold of him. And so when Paul speaks about that, you know it to be true. And how we know it to be true? Because all the pagans and all the people came together when they were trying to figure out what books to put in the New Testament, and everybody agreed on Paul's writing, but they couldn't agree on the apostolic creed because they said. Well, they were Jews and they thought they were biased and all these people didn't agree with them, right? And they were just like, I don't know about all that and all these people. But everybody, everybody, pagan and Jew and religious alike, all agreed that Paul, that's why Paul has most of the New Testament because they agreed in Paul's writings. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So, yeah, man, Romans is a really good book, chapter seven. Check it out. Um, yeah, because we're going to leave it here because he over here getting ate up by these mosquitoes. Oh, hold on. It's just one more at the bottom. All right, go ahead. You, um, 23, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind it, It's because it starts in the mind. Yeah, yeah. And bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. And, oh, this is like, who are we? Oh, wretched man that I am. Yeah. Who would deliver me from this body of death? Man. I like that. I'm, I'm reading this here. I'm going to read this real quick. It says, instead of trying to overcome sin with human willpower, we must take hold of the tremendous power of Christ that is available to us. This is God's provision for victory over sin. Now, if somebody tells you that if you, you drop this bomb on them, you'll have victory, you wouldn't use it in war? Yes. So if we're in a spiritual war, God is telling you, I have a weapon that's, un there is no weapon formed against us that shall, prosper. that shall prosper so if god's telling you i got a weapon that is undefeated why wouldn't you use it 
That doesn't make sense. If you're fighting a war right now and I come to you and say, hey, man, I got this A-bomb right here, man. This thing will level an entire country, continent, whatever. Why wouldn't you use it? Mm. If I'm over here getting bombed and bombated to death and getting just beat up, my people are dying. Why would I use that? Use that. It doesn't make sense, right? So, so when we're living in the world today and we are fighting a spiritual war, but yet we are using worldly natural weapons to fight a supernatural war and we wonder why we're getting our butts kicked mm-hmm. and you don't want to use the word because you'd rather go find something else because you don't want to admit that you need Christ and you wonder why you're getting your butt kicked. I was in that position forever. I couldn't understand why I was getting my butt kicked until I realized I'm using the wrong weapons, mm-hmm. right? And this last piece here, the end, like you just talked about 23, the inward struggle with sin was as real for Paul as it is for us. From Paul, we learn what to do about it. Whenever Paul felt lost, he would return to the beginning of his spiritual life, remembering that he had already been freed by Jesus Christ. When you feel confused and overwhelmed by sin's appeal, follow Paul's example. Thank God that he has given you freedom mm-hmm. through Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Let the reality of Christ's power lift you up to real victory over sin. Bars. Bangers. We appreciate y'all. We know that was uh, time-wise. It's all right, man. But I mean, I think this stuff is good. I think it's real. And uh, hopefully this is good content, man. Again, hit us up. We want to hear from y'all. 148, the number one spelled out, the number four, eight spelled out, 2020 at gmail.com, man. We love y'all. May y'all stay safe out here in this COVID. Stay safe out here as election season comes about. And remember, it doesn't matter who's in office. Who stays in office, who gets in office, who you vote for, who your neighbor votes for. None of that matters because this natural world will fade away. And your freedom and your peace is in the spiritual and the supernatural, which is in Christ. All right. Y'all heard it. Well said. Well put. Restoration time. Peace. Peace.